I hope you've been blessed by our theme for the year, uh, 2022, which is to be an ambassador for Christ. And we want each of you to see yourself as being sent from God here on this earth. You live in, your citizenship is in heaven, but you're here to do his will and to present the king's letter, to speak the truth, to share the gospel, and to share Jesus with as many people as you can, and then to reflect Christ uh, by, you represent him by reflecting him. And so we're declaring and then we're demonstrating. And as you come to church, we are declaring, declaring, declaring the truth of God's word. But at the same time, we wanna come along and show compassion to everyone we can, amen? And uh, so this weekend was the uh, Sanctity of Human Life weekend. It's the 49th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. In the last 49 years as a country, we have aborted over 50 million children have been aborted in this country. And I want you to know as a pastor that we as a church will always stand for life. We will always stand for life. At the same time, we want to come along and show compassion to those who have, who have found themselves in a difficult situation. And we know that there's grace and there's love and there's freedom and forgiveness at the foot of the cross. And so as we present the truth of God's word, we have to come alongside and help those who are hurting at the exact same time. And that's why this weekend we asked and we are collecting the, those baby bottles. And I hope you brought your baby bottles full of change, cash, or checks, and we're collecting money, and we have someone in the church that's gonna match up to $50,000. And in your bulletin on the left-hand side, you'll see the three health organizations that we're gonna give this money to. And uh, no one's taking any of it, it's going to those health organizations. And then on Friday night, this Friday, just a few days, we're gonna have an event here called Celebration of Life, and we're gonna present those resources to those three organizations, and they have invited all the people that they have served and all the people that they have helped. And so it's going to be a true, uh, joyous occasion this Friday night, and I wanna thank you for doing your part in showing compassion and helping and to serve, amen? And so if you did not get to turn that in, you can do something after church out in the lobby if you want and we would encourage you to do so. Now I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the first book, of uh, first chapter of Isaiah. If you can find in the Old Testament the book of Isaiah and turn to chapter one. And I wanna speak to you on the subject of the remnant. The remnant. I want everybody to say the remnant. And turn to Isaiah chapter one. Grab your sermon notes because you're gonna wanna take some notes today. I honestly had a difficult time choosing a text because there were so many texts that talked about the remnant. If you studied cover to cover, you'd be amazed. We could have spoken today from the book of Jeremiah. We could have spoken today from the book of Ezekiel. That could have been our text. We could have spoken from the, word of Ro the book of Romans. There's a lot in the book of Romans about the remnant. In fact, there are many other chapters in the book of Isaiah that talk about the remnant. But today, we've chosen to, cho to, to speak on this first chapter of the book of Isaiah. And we're gonna look at like, 
like the first 18 verses today. But our key verse, everybody say key verse. Our key verse, we're gonna start and we're gonna finish with this verse, Isaiah 1 verse 9, and here's what it says. Unless the Lord of the host, which is God, had left us a very small, what's the word? Remnant. We would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. That's the key verse. I will tell you that every word in that verse is powerful. And not only is it powerful, it's relevant to what's going on in our world in this day and this age. The Greek Septuagint translation, I want you to write this down, the word remnant means seed or sperma. It is a very small seed. It's a word for life in the midst of evil. The word remnant is this little holy band or army of the faithful. So with that in mind, I wanna go back and look at that verse one more time. If God in heaven had not left a, re a remnant, then we would have been utterly annihilated like Sodom. We would have been completely destroyed like Gomorrah had it not been for the little tiny remnant. And as you go through the entire Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's interesting to note that no matter how bad things got morally, that God always provided a remnant. You can see this. The first example is the story of Noah and the flood in Genesis chapter six, seven, eight, and nine. You can read this. The earth was inhabited for 1,600 years when, when the flood came. We believe that there were close to one billion people on the planet, not quite, like 700 million or 800 million people were living on the planet at the time of the flood. Genesis chapter 6, 6 says that God's heart was grieved that he had even made man. And the Bible says that the only thoughts and inclinations of all one billion people on this planet was only evil all the time. And God finally said, enough is enough. I'm starting over. I'm bringing the flood. And he, he destroyed the entire earth except he provided a remnant, a man named Noah, his three sons, their wives, eight of them. God always provides a remnant. Then you come to Genesis chapter 19, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I would encourage you sometime to read Genesis chapter 19. I will tell you this, it is sickening to read. It's not easy to read. The level of perversion and immorality. But as long as God could find 
a remnant as long as God could find righteous people. He would not destroy those two cities of the plain. But the time came where God said enough is enough and he decides to destroy those two cities. But he had Lot and his wife and their two daughters flee the city. Genesis 19, 16 says that the Lord was merciful to them. But for Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says that it rained down burning sulfur and God destroyed every living thing except Lot and his family because God always has a remnant. Then we come to the story of Gideon in Judges chapter six and seven. I will tell you this, that's, that's, those are two fun chapters to read. The enemies of God, the Midianites, the Bible says that they consumed the land of Israel like the swarm of locusts. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 1, it tells us that the Israelites had done evil in the eyes of God, so that for seven years God had allowed the Midianites to oppress the Israelites. The Israelites were forced to leave their home. Imagine that you were being forced to leave your house. And the Bible says that the Israelites had to leave their house, they had to leave their fields, and they had to flee for their lives and run up and hide in the caves up in the hills and scrounge around for food. But the day came where God decided he was going to show compassion to Israel the Midianites had an army of 135,000 soldiers, and so he sends Gideon to fight the Midianites. And God asked Gideon, how many soldiers do you have to fight the 135,000 Midianites? Gideon says, I've got 32,000 soldiers. God says, that's too many. Get rid of some of them. So they get rid of 22,000 of their soldiers, and now Gideon is left to only 10,000 soldiers to fight an army of 135,000 soldiers. And God says, that's too many. Get rid of some of them. So they whittle, whittle it down, and now Gideon only has 300 soldiers to fight the Midianite army of 135,000 soldiers. And if you do the math, that the ratio on that is 450 to one. And God says, that's the perfect number. And God uses the remnant of 300 in the midst of all of Israel's evil to defeat the Midianite army of 135,000 because God always has a remnant. You then jump to the 12 tribes of Israel as they settle into the land. There comes a point, if you read in 2 Kings chapter 17, where 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel were carried off into exile and were destroyed. That means there's only two remaining tribes in the land. And if you read 1 Chronicles chapter 9, the first three verses, it says that the last two remaining tribes in Israel were also carried off into captivity. Now no one is there. But if you read the book of Ezra, and if you read the book of Nehemiah, God provides a remnant 
to go back to Jerusalem and to begin to rebuild and reestablish the nation of Israel because God always has a remnant. Now if you jump forward to the New Testament, God sends his son Jesus into this world. Now the Messiah is here. Jesus has arrived to redeem his people. The Bible says that large crowds came from every city. They came out of the woodwork just to follow Jesus. When Jesus spoke, the crowds were massive. And he did miracles. And he taught. And he performed healing. And the crowds were everywhere. But at the end of his life here on this earth, when he hangs on the cross, there's only two people left. John and his mama. His mama stayed with him till the end. Let's, let's thank the Lord for his mama. And when you come to Acts chapter one, this is the New Testament, it says that all that was left were 120 followers, the remnant. Think about God's plan for humanity from the very beginning by the time you get to Acts chapter one. Think of all the kings and the kingdoms that have come and gone, the nations that have come and gone, the ups and downs and the drama of humanity for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, culminating with God even sending his one and only son, Jesus, the Messiah, into the world. And at the end of the day, all that there are left that are following God in all of humanity is 120 people, according to Acts 1.15. They're meeting in the upper room. It's called the remnant. Everyone else is dead and gone or everyone else is fled and gone. The remnant. Now with that in mind, all these different time periods, doesn't matter if you're back in Noah's day or if you're at Sodom and Gomorrah's day, if you're in Gideon's day, if you're in the New Testament, or if you're in today's day, God always has a remnant. But we are studying Acts chapter, or I mean Isaiah chapter one, so I wanna take you back to that period of time to see what was going on. And you might write this down, this is 700 years before the time of Christ. 700 years before the time of Christ, Isaiah was a Hebrew prophet. I'm an Oklahoma prophet. Isaiah was called to preach to the nation of Israel 700 years before Christ. I have been called to preach to God's people 2,000 years after Christ in a city called Los Angeles. But at the time when Isaiah 1 was written, Israel was going through what's called a period of the judgments. And the reason is that the people of God had claimed to be followers of God, yet in truth, they were not living as followers of God, thus the judgments. And as we look at Isaiah chapter one, at what God told Israel through the prophet Isaiah, in many ways you will see that he is speaking to us here today, it's true. And so if you read the first few verses of Isaiah, we learn, I want you to write this down. First of all, things don't just look bad morally speaking, things were bad. They just didn't look bad. They were bad. 
Now, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm grateful to live in the United States of America. I'm thankful to live here. I have traveled to third world countries. Some of you in this room have never been to a third world country. Never been there. All you've been in the United States of America, you look around and complain about everything. <laughs> and what you need to do, you need to take two months or six months of your life and go live in a true third world country where you will see that one billion people live on, this on the face of this planet with a daily income of less than 50 cents per day. In other words, the yearly salary is $175. You should try to live on an entire year on $175. We here in America, while we, you go to any house, any building, we have water flowing out of a tap. Think of all the houses in this valley. Every house that you see in every room in every house has a thing called electricity. Everyone in this room has access to an automobile. We all have health care. It's excellent. It's expensive, but it's excellent health care. We all have flat screen televisions. We all are blessed with these cell things called cell phones. We have beautiful beaches, we have majestic mountains, and we have freedom to worship as we please here in America. We have this thing called technology. And right now, while I'm on this stage, every word by these cameras is being recorded and it is being sent via the internet around the entire planet. It's amazing. Right across the street from this church is an In-N-Out burger. You don't think we're blessed? Have you ever had a double-double animal style? And we live in a country where almost on almost every corner is a, is a church. But let's be honest here today. We have some grave moral issues in this country. Crime and lawlessness, theft, robberies, carjackings. This weekend, we're talking about the sanctity of human life, looking back at some 50 million children innocent lives that have been taken. We have a thing called the evil of pornography that is literally everywhere. Marriage as designed by God is no longer a sacred and holy entity as God planned. You all ever heard of a preacher by the name of John MacArthur? He preaches at this little church over here called Grace Community Church. You ever heard of that, that little church over there? John's been there for like 200 years. He's got another 100 years in him at least. He was preaching this last week, and these are his words, but he said, and I got in trouble. Someone last night was upset that I said what he said, so you can go ahead and write me a letter. I've already got that letter, but John said, he was preaching, and he said, there is no such thing as transgenderism. He said, everybody talks about it, but there is no such thing. 
And he said, again, these are his words. He said, every single person on the face of this planet was born with either an XX chromosome or an XY chromosome. He goes, those are, that's a thing called genetics. And he said, that is science. And it doesn't matter what you call yourself or what you want to be or think that you are. You don't go back and forth. You are either born as an XX or an XY. And he said, that is genetics. That is scientific, which is fine. That is true, right? Now, after he preached that, YouTube banned his sermon for hate crime speech. That is considered, according to YouTube, as hate crime speech. So again, it's just a small example of where we are as a world today. What causes a man to get in his car and drive it through a Christmas parade and just run over people randomly up in Wisconsin? That's, that's evil inside a man's heart. We have a thing called sex trafficking in this world or pushing drugs for profit. I'm saying to you that things don't just look bad as you turn on the news. Things actually are bad in the world. And I want you to see what Isaiah says, the prophet who was sent by God to tell his people these words. Verse two, hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. God says, I'm the one that, that reared you. I, you. God is saying, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. Verse three, interesting, he says, even the ox, knows who his master is. And the donkey, Eeyore. <laughs> Even the donkey knows who his owner is. But Israel, God's people do not know. My, my people do not even understand. And then he says in verse four, oh, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on him. Things were bad. And we're not gonna take the time, but if you would read verse 11, verse 12, verse 13, verse 14, and verse 15, you would also discover that not only were things bad, but the nation of Israel, they were going to church. They were conducting religious services. They would offer up sacrificial offerings and they would lift their prayers before God. You see, they were going through the religious stuff, but their hearts were bad. Their hearts were rebellious. This is a major truth that we must get. Write this down, that going through religious motions does not undo a rebellious heart. Their religious services and religious motions were unacceptable to God because it was a facade, it was fake, it was empty, it was hypocritical. I say that to say to you that going to church doesn't matter. The fact that you're here today does not matter 
if the rest of the week you're out acting the way the world acts. We here in America, we have a lot of religious looking people attending a lot of religious services, doing a lot of religious things on Sunday, and then the rest of the week, we live so much like the world you can't even tell the difference. Now, Roman numeral number two, write this down. The reason for their predicament and the reason for our predicament is clearly stated. It's very, very clear. I read it to you there in verse four. It says that we have forsaken the Lord, we have spurned the Holy One, we have turned our backs on God. And any time any nation turns their back on God and they reject God's word, his truth, he will allow you to suffer at your own doing. He says this in verse five. Why should you be beaten anymore? You ever felt like you just got beaten up? Why do you persist in rebellion? Why your whole head is injured, not physically, but your mind is not sound. And your whole heart, he says, is afflicted from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. There is no soundness. There's only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. In the Old Testament, oil was a picture of the Holy Spirit. And if you're living today and you're not being led and directed by the Holy Spirit of God, you are going to feel as though you have just been beaten up day in and day out. There is no soundness. He then says in verse seven, your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. It sounds like the United States of America. I will tell you that this is not just history that we're reading, it's prophetic for Israel, for the United States of America. And for any nation and any people on the face of this earth who turn their backs on God. The truth is that most of what is happening in America today is just the result of decisions that we have made to take the Bible out of our schools, to not teach young people that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge to remove prayer from our schools, to neglect God's laws on marriage and the sanctity of human life, the aborting of 50 million children, the moral decline in our country is due to us as a nation turning our back on God and forsaking God and the holiness of God. And if God was really truly speaking through me today, he would say, Dudley, tell those people these words. He wouldn't use the analogy of an ox or a donkey. He would say, hey, tell your church, even a dog knows who his master is. Even, even a cat
A cat knows who its owner is. Is that true or not true? It's, even a cat knows that. But America does not know its creator. Even those who claim to be followers of Christ have forgotten that Jesus is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Point number three is the cure. Everybody say the cure. What is the cure that L, for the things that ail us? It's, it's not as difficult as you think. This, this, listen, 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 this is not rocket science. God tells them to the prophet Isaiah, first of all, stop what you're doing. Verse 16, take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. This is a no-brainer. Whatever sin, whatever evil you're involved with, just stop. Idolatry. Is there anything in your life, think about it, is there anything in your life that's more important to you than God? That's idolatry. Stop. Immorality. Are you involved in any kind of immorality? Stop doing things that are immoral. Being prideful and full of arrogance. Stop it. Swearing, lying, cheating, stop it. Ignoring God and just living for yourself, stop it. And secondly, just learn to do what is good. He says, he says it right there in verse 17. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. You say, well, I don't know how to do any of those things. You can learn. He says learn. You learn just how you learned how to read and write, just how you learned to drive a car, just how you learned how to bake a cookie. You learn how. You go to church, read your Bible, Turn your radio station to KKLA. You can hear some of the best preaching in America all day long on your radio. Listen to biblical sermons. Study the life of Christ. Mimic his life. Find you some Christian friends. Get plugged into a life group. Hang out with someone who is seeking justice. Hang out with people that are encouraging the oppressed. Learn how to defend the cause of the fatherless. Learn how to plead the case of the widow. We're going to be doing that even here Friday night at this church to some degree. But here's the main thing. Numero uno. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. He says in verse 18, come now. Oh, you've read, you, most of you know Isaiah 118 because you've heard it, but you've never heard it in context with the first seven, those first 17 verses. He says, come now, let us reason together. In other words, this is common sense stuff. In spite of Everything that Israel had done. God still wanted to have a relationship with them. That's what he wanted. Judgment is coming. 
But what he wants, he wanted to restore them. He wants to renew them. He wants to purify them. So he says to them, stop doing the evil. Learn to do what's right and just come home. And come now. He says, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And that's God's way of saying, I will forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. I will forgive you of every misdeed. I will forgive you of every step of evilness if only you'll return to me. Now, I want you to go back one more time and look at this verse. And, you know, there are several people who got up and just walked out today. Did you notice that? Did you notice people just getting up and walking out today? Oh, all kinds of people just walked out. And they've missed the most important part of the sermon. They heard something they didn't like, so they left. That's fine. Get up and go somewhere else. You don't, you don't want to be here. They're gonna, they're gonna, there's, there's another one right there. Gonna, gonna save the world. But listen to me. You've missed the best part, and here's the best part. Go back and look at this verse. God has always had a what? A remnant. You look around, things don't just look bad, things are bad. But God has always had a remnant. And I just want you to know a couple things. The first is if you're here today and you're following God with all of your heart, you're living for God, you're not just here on Sunday looking the part, doing a religious thing, but tomorrow you're gonna live for God and Tuesday you're gonna live for God and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and you're not out living in sin, you're here, you're serving God with all of your heart. If that's you, what it means is that you are part of the remnant that God has here right now in the midst of this crazy world. And it says, notice it says, unless the Lord of the host had left us a remnant, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah, totally annihilated. One of the reasons why God has not come and judged the United States of America is because of the remnant that is here. But here it is. It says, and leave that verse up on that screen that unless the Lord of the host had left a remnant, who is the one that leaves the remnant? God is the one who puts the remnant there. The remnant, the one who provides the remnant is God. It's not, you're not a part of the remnant because of something you've done. You're part of the remnant because God has made sure that in the midst of this evil world that there's a little group of people that are still serving him. It's called grace. You see grace even all the way back here in Isaiah chapter one. And let me tell you as you read through Isaiah, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. But God in his grace always makes sure that there's a remnant, a small seed of life in the midst of evil. It was God's grace that put this church right here. God's grace is who provided you a Bible. 
God's grace provided you an opportunity somewhere along the way, you actually had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Someone explained the truth of Jesus Christ to you. That's God's grace. It was God's grace that sent Jesus to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. It was God's grace that enabled you to be saved. It was God's grace that accept, accepted your measly amount of little faith that you've got. It was God's grace that has restored you, that has redeemed you. It's only because of God's grace that any of us can be saved, and it's only by the grace of God that any of us can ever be considered to be a part of the remnant. Yes, things look bad because things are bad. And many people have turned their back on God. The Bible says broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many people are on it. And narrow is the road that leads to everlasting life, and only a very few people are on that road. And yes, judgment is coming, but he's telling Israel, and he's telling us, come home. I still want you. I invite you to come home and be a part of the remnant of God. No matter, no matter how bad things get, you're mine. I love you, I saved you, I redeemed you, you're mine. Come home and come now. Let's stand and pray. Oh, Father God, would you open up our hearts to hear and our eyes to see spiritual truth. Satan has blinded so many of us, God. We have turned our backs on you as a nation to where now what, if we even speak the truth, it's considered a hate crime. We call evil good and good evil. We are upside down. And Lord, it is my prayer that this church up here on this, the banks of these hills in the northwest corner of LA, that we will stop doing evil. And that we'll learn to do good. And we will come home to God. God, I don't know if any of us really understands the grace, what's, what grace really is about. We're living in these, we're living in these evil times. It, it's, difficult to even understand. I, I, I believe that man's hearts are almost like the hearts were before the time of the flood where the only thoughts of man are evil all the time. And yet in the midst of a fallen world, a broken world, a lost world, all oh, there is a thing called the church and there is a band of faithful people 
And Lord, from that band, from that remnant, it truly is possible for anybody to be saved. As we hold truth forth, the truth of the Word of God, in an uncompromising manner, Oh, we demonstrate our love and our grace and mercy and forgiveness and we show compassion to those. But Lord, today, I pray that we would come home to you, completely surrendering our lives to you. And from this remnant, God, we will go from generation to generation handing down the truth of the gospel from one generation to the next until eventually you come back and say enough's enough and you take us home to be with you forever and ever and ever. Amen. God, I pray your blessing on every man, woman, boy, and girl. Bring us back safely as we talk about unfinished business, we have some unfinished business. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said, thank you for coming today.